Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 91. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about reflecting on lessons in leadership. You know, one of my favorite ways to enjoy a long drive is by listening to podcasts or audiobooks, and I especially find biographies a helpful way to learn lessons about life and leadership. Two audiobooks that I've really enjoyed in my drives may sound like they have nothing in common. Seabiscuit, an American legend by Lauren Hildebrand, and The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt by Edmund Morris. And as vastly different as stories of a horse and a former president can be, I find that both of those stories are full of similarities in the kinds of challenges, risks, courage, and strategies necessary for the characters of those stories to achieve goals and dreams. And as I think about school leadership, here's the question that I have. How can you take lessons from those around you, both in person or in history, to reflect on ways that you can continue to grow and learn? And so this week's podcast is actually going to be a replay of a webinar that I did recently for my State Principals Association on lessons in leadership. And there's four parts. Part one is Lessons in Teamwork from the Story of a Champion Racehorse. Part two, Lessons from Learning to Lean on One Another. Part three, Lessons in Leadership from the Life of Theodore Roosevelt. And part four, Using Your Vacation to Re-Energize Your School Leadership. If you're listening to this at the time of its recording, we are getting ready to step into our Thanksgiving break. So I just want to thank you for taking time to listen, to reflect, and to grow together. If you'd like other free resources, Like this podcast, you can check them all out at my website at williamdparker.com. If you'd like to see my books, Principal Matters or Messaging Matters, you can check them out at my website or at amazon.com. But now let's transition to this recorded webinar series. And if you'd like to watch the video version of it, I'll link it in the show notes as well. I want to welcome you to this conversation this week and just remind you that As we're looking through week five, we're going to be talking about a number of chapters. And so I'm going to just jump right in here in just a moment so that we can talk about what are some lessons in leadership that we can pull from other leaders. And so I'm going to talk specifically about a couple of different books that I think are surprisingly good books for leaders to look at. One's about a horse named Seabiscuit. The other is about a famous president, Theodore Roosevelt. But I'm also going to talk about the power of how we can learn and lean on one another And then I want to talk at the end about the importance of your vacation and how to use it to become, I think, a stronger school leader. And as you're getting ready to look at Thanksgiving break coming up here in a couple of weeks, I want you to keep in mind how important it is for you to think about your breaks. But let's begin our conversation this week with a quick story. A lot of people are familiar with Seabiscuit because of the movie that came out, but Lauren Hildebrand wrote a book about the life of this amazing horse a long time ago. And that book was what was turned into a movie. And I believe that when you're looking at the stories of history, there's so many lessons that you can pull for how it affects the way that you lead in the classroom or the way, the way that you lead in a school or the way that you lead in life. When I think about the story of Seabiscuit, what's amazing to me about this story is that this horse was a part of a team of very unlikely prospects. And I'm not going to tell you the entire story. I would encourage you to either check out the book or look at the movie. But this week, I just want to focus on what are some of the takeaways 
that we can learn from the story of a horse. And let me just kind of set it up like this. Seabiscuit was a thoroughbred, but was a Morgan. And Morgans are not known as sleek racehorses. They're typically known uh, as smaller horse breeds. And when people would look at Seabiscuit, they would not look at this horse and think, wow, this is a champion. They would actually look at this horse and be surprised that a horse this small could be so fast. But Seabiscuit was not known originally as a fast horse. And it it took a long time before uh, those who worked with Seabiscuit realized the potential that this horse had for winning races. And it all began with a team. And so I want to just talk for just a minute about how this team of individuals came together. Charles Howard was the owner of the horse. Tom Smith was a lonely cowboy who was the trainer. And Red Pollard was a former boxer who turned rider because he was small enough to be a jockey. And these three men could not have been any different. They were amazingly different. One, you've got Howard, uh, who's a very, very wealthy man. You've got Tom Smith, who was known for being kind of isolated, um, but he loved and understood horses. And then Red Pollard, who was a fighter and very unlikely to end up becoming one of the most famous jockeys in the world. But these men all got connected around one issue. And that was a horse that Tom Smith had eyed that, uh, that Howard had bought that he believed that he could train to become a great racehorse. And so I just want to jump through eight, what I consider 10 takeaways for lessons for leadership. And the first one is this. I believe that great teams lead effectively when they unify around a common cause. And unifying around a common cause makes, that means that we can all be different. We can have different strengths. We can have different weaknesses. We can have different teachers on our teams. We can have different administrative partners. We can have different kinds of students in our buildings. But when we unify around one thing, then we can accomplish amazing things. And what I see about effective schools is the same thing. When people unify around a common cause, when they're unified around the same thing, then they have something in common to cheer and root about. And so when you may be surrounded by people that have all kinds of amazing differences, but how can you unify around something in common? Because when you do, you can accomplish things that are unbelievable. The second lesson is this, unlikely prospects can become your greatest assets. So, when I think back to the story of Seabiscuit, you could not have found a more unlikely group of individuals to form a team around a horse. These men were all from different backgrounds, different demographics, different life experiences, and yet they decided to rely on each other's strengths to make up where the rest of their team members were weak. And that's one of the reasons why this horse was so successful, because this horse was promoted by a team of people that were very, very different, but were very committed Uh, to the same goal. So their weaknesses could become their strengths. The third lesson is this, success always requires risk. And when I look at a story like the story of Seabiscuit, obviously when you're talking about horse racing, you're talking about risks. But I believe that anyone who accomplishes anything of greatness, and that includes our schools, we have to be willing to try new things. And as school leaders, I believe that as educational leaders, we have to be the first risk takers. If we want our teachers to take risks, if we want our students to take risks, if we want those around us to try new things, we have to demonstrate that for them. And so one of the reasons that Seabiscuit was such a famous horse and had so much success was because Howard and Smith and Pollard calculated their risks. They took chances. Sometimes they would run in the worst running conditions because they knew that Seabiscuit actually performed better in rain. And so often they would push 
others to race them in very, very risky conditions because that's sometimes when they perform the best. So where is it that you need to push into an area that you've never pushed before? Where do you want to grow? Because success requires risk. The fourth lesson is this. Loyalty and trust are always the marks of a winning team. And as you're leading a school, you're not just an educational leader. You are a team builder. And your school has to have two qualities in order for people to feel like they're being successful. One is loyalty. That that means you have each other's backs, that you're there for one another. And the other is trust. That means that no, when even when you're not with one another, you can trust that that other person is going to be making the same decision that you would have made in that situation. And in Steve Bissick's story, that meant that sometimes there would be one of the team members, whether it's Howard or Pollard or Smith, who would who would tell someone else on the team, I don't think we should run today because they would have a hunch or they would see something about Seabiscuit that, that gave them some kind of intuition and they had to trust each other. And so because of that loyalty and trust that they had with each other, they performed amazing feats. The fifth lesson is this, belief in action is what separates fantasies and dreams from reality. And so think about this. You can have a lot of great ideas for your school but you have to execute them. And one of the great things about Seabiscuit was that as this horse was growing as a runner, this team would practice wisely. They would compete with cleverness. They were always planning and executing and thinking ahead to the next race because every race was different. And so their beliefs were always executed with action steps. And so if you're thinking about what you want to accomplish next, how are you taking calculated action even though we take risk, how we take calculated action to make our dreams become reality. The next lesson is this, and this was something that really surprised me about the story of Seabiscuit. We would not even know this racehorse existed except for the publicity that surrounded it. And this was during the Great Depression when Seabiscuit was running. And so people found a lot of hope in seeing this, in some ways, the small underdog horse winning race after race after race. But the media was also a friend to the owner. And so Howard's would often invite them to uh, see the horse train. He would invite them into the barn to see the horse as it rested. He would invite them over and over and over again so that as much publicity as possible was being shared out about Seabiscuit. And listen, as educational leaders, we've never had more opportunities for publicity for our schools than we do now, whether that's through the, uh, the community building that you're doing with your school, but especially through social media, especially through our websites, especially through the ability for students to be part of that publicity especially through the spirit that our schools share, the shirts that our students wear, all of these different ways we can brand our schools and create publicity because publicity builds momentum. So when's the last time you've stepped back and asked yourself, how are we continuously pushing the momentum of our, the energy and the positivity of our building by publishing the great things that are happening here? The next lesson is this, lesson number seven. Losing a battle doesn't mean you've lost the war. If you've read the book about Seabiscuit or you've seen uh, the movie, this racehorse did not win every race. And in fact, some of the most painful losses were what would cause the owner and the trainer and the rider to regroup and think about, okay, what can we do better the next time? And so don't forget that defeat is not the end. There's going to be times where you're going to try new things or there's going to be things that happen in your school where you get a setback or where something bad happens or where there's a difficulty or a challenge, but don't let that be what defines you. What defines you is the lesson that you've learned so that you know how to move on to the next step. The next lesson is this, great defeats often lead to greater victories. And I know that that's very connected to the last point, but when Seabiscuit was running in his earliest races, 
he would learn not just from the the trainer, but he would learn from the horses that he ran against too, which ones that he needed to compete against uh, better the next time. So every situation, whether it's a defeat, can always lead to greater opportunities. Number nine, success is contagious. Whenever you start to see positive momentum happening in any team, once that team experiences that positive momentum, and this can be learning, this could be athletics, this could be activities, this could just be simply the the positive energy that's happening in a school culture. But when you are highlighting that, it becomes contagious. People want to be a part of something successful. And so at the end of a school day, ask yourself, what are some of the great things that have happened in my school today that I can be promoting and talking about because I want the good things to be contagious in my school, not the negatives. And then the last lesson from Seabiscuit that I want to share this week is that legacies are built over time, not just one moment. Don't let one moment define the culture or the attitude or the legacy of your school. And so as you are leading your teams, your teachers and your students, think about how you can each moment, each day, each year add to the legacy of your school. One of the beautiful things about the story of Seabiscuit is that we're still talking about this racehorse now, years and years later, because of the book and because of the movie. But at the time, everyone in America knew who Seabiscuit was. And for years, even after Seabiscuit retired, people would travel hundreds of miles to see this horse in retirement. Think about when you are leading your school, it may be five years from now, it may be 10 years from now, it may be 15 years from now that you're no longer serving in your building. But what kind of legacy and environment do you want to leave behind? Because not just what we're doing today, but what will be there when we leave is important too. So now it's your turn. What are some lessons from teamwork that you've seen from other great examples? I know that I've just shared 10 from the story of Seabiscuit. And whenever I read a book or or see a great movie, I often try to reflect on what are the lessons that I'm seeing another team performing that can help me in my performance. If you want to make a comment or add a suggestion under the more section of your menu, there's a place where you can leave comments. And I'd love to hear some feedback from you as well. The next part of our conversation this week, how do we need to lean on others for our leadership? You know, often I think that one of the biggest dangers of school leadership is isolation. And I don't think this is just a problem with school leaders, uh, principals, and assistant principals. I think that teachers run the same risk because if we are leading classrooms, often we're the sole adult in that situation. And so sometimes we don't realize that when we are isolating ourselves from other adults, other people that are involved in the same kind of work that we're doing, that we're missing out on opportunities to connect and to reflect and to grow and to learn. And this came home to me just a few years ago when I was um, on my way to a meeting outside of my school in another city and a fellow principal in a neighboring district and I had been talking. We decided to ride together there and back. And the entire way there and back was some of the best professional development I had ever had because we were simply just talking about our schools, our challenges, the opportunities that we had, and our back and forth conversations opened up all kinds of ideas that I had not thought about by myself. And so this week, I just want to encourage you with just a few takeaways on how you can, no matter where you are, whether you're rural, urban, suburban, you can learn to lean on others and grow through the process. And so let me just share four easy ways that you can do that. Number one, first, connect with your team members. Look around at the people that you're serving with in your school. How are you able to rely on their strengths? Because I guarantee that there are people on your team who are creative, who are intelligent, who have ideas that you've never had before, 
And how can you connect with them so that you're leaning on their expertise for ideas that can change the way that you lead? I'll never forget when I had the opportunity of sitting on the assistant principal of the year committee, uh, the year after I had received that award, because I was able to listen to and interview the, the next year's candidates. And what a wonderful day of learning by listening to principals talk about the great things that they've learned through their experiences. And so how can you connect with team members around you in your building and fellow districts, or even throughout the world, because we're not any longer isolated by geography. We can connect online. You can connect through social media. You can connect through Twitter chats. You can connect through Facebook opportunities. You can connect on on all kinds of ways uh, with people. It's just like we are right now in this webinar. Number two, visit other schools. I can't recommend this enough, but one of the best ways that I've learned school leadership is by actually getting into other buildings and watching other school leaders lead. And it's very hard to do that when you're leading a school. But over the years, I've tried to schedule time with fellow principals of when I could come visit their buildings. And the best way to do this is to take a team. And so if you have a small team of teachers who you could get subs for for a day and you take them with you to a school that you know, is uh, performing very successfully. A few years ago, we found a blue ribbon school in the Tulsa area that we wanted to visit just to ask them, what are some of the innovative things that you're doing that helped you guys become this blue ribbon school? And we learned so much about how they pull together in teams, which was something that we wanted to develop for our school too. And so how can you grow in leaning on others? Start visiting other schools or organizations because it's a great way to learn. Number three, invite experts. Now by experts, I don't mean that's Uh, You have to hire someone to come into your school, but there are people all around your area who know things that maybe you don't know. For us, sometimes we would invite our law enforcement friends into our school to talk to our students or talk to us about safety. Uh, Sometimes I would invite my fire marshal to walk through my school and looked at our safety procedures to make sure that we're following through on things. And sometimes we would realize ways that we needed to, to change our response to, for instance, tornado drills. Sometimes we would invite consultants in, people that were educational experts that were really good at things like data teaming or really good at things like PLCs to help us figure out ways that we could improve in those areas too. And so anytime that you have an outside expert step in to your building, it gives you a chance to reflect from their perspective. They can see things that maybe we can't see because we're there every single day. And so don't be afraid to invite someone else into your building. It's one of the things I love to do the most as the executive directors of OASSP and OLEA is visit fellow administrators. And so if you ever have an opportunity where you'd like to invite me to come and spend some time walking through your school and reflecting with you and listening to the great things happening in your school and to reflect with you on on areas where you may want to grow, then feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to do that. And number four is this. I believe effective leaders are always growing leaders. And that means that we're reading, we're listening, we're watching, we're attending events where we can grow. And so I know it takes time, but think about how you can optimize the time that you already have. For me, that's commuting. I've always commuted uh, when I've driven to work and I try to plug in something in my ears and listen, to, whether that's an audiobook or whether that's a podcast. And then I like to be able to get out of my building and attend conferences. Now, now that I've, I'm an executive director for OASSP and OMLEA, I have an opportunity to do that even more. But even as a principal, it was so encouraging for me to try to connect and grow. And so I just want to invite you to make sure that as you're looking at your calendar for this coming year, and if you're a COSA member here in Oklahoma, please think about how you can stay connected with what we're doing through our conferences and workshops. 
but you don't have to leave your building to grow. You can also be reading great books. Right now I'm reading a book called Marching Off the Map by Tim Elmore and Andrew McPeak. It's about emerging generation research and how we can be reaching youth in this emerging generation. Sometimes I listen to podcasts like Transformative Principle uh, by Jethro Jones. He's an administrator in Alaska, but he puts out every single week an interview with an effective principal talking about what they're doing in their schools. And so there's lots of ways that you can grow, whether it's reading, listening, or attending conferences. What are some ways that you're learning from others? And I would love to to see your comments on, on that question as well. What are some of the ways that you're learning from others? And what are some ways that you would like to see yourself learning more from others too? And thanks for the time that you're taking right now for this webinar, because I know that it gives us an opportunity to reflect on our growth right now. A few years ago, I started a series of books. There's actually a, a trilogy of books by Edmund Morris on Theodore Roosevelt. And I, sometimes it sounds like I, I read all the time. I try to learn all the time. But I was, when I think back to my own experience, I was not necessarily a great student of history, but I love stories. And so if I can ever find a history that's told through the form of a great story, I'm captivated. And Edmund Morris has three books on the life of Theodore Roosevelt. And I've, over the years, I've been able to finish all three of them. They're very large reads. And a lot of times I'll do the audio version so that when I'm traveling in the summers, I can use that time to, to learn. But the first of that series is called The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt. It's the story of his life from birth up until right before he became the president of the United States. And again, I just saw some amazing takeaways for leadership that I wanted to leave with you today to think about too. There are eight of them. The first one is this, never underestimate the power of early education. And for those of us that are, that are teachers and educators, I'm a secondary person, but you can never overestimate the power of how important it is that we're investing back into the lives of younger children because those formative years are an amazing time for us to form ideas and principles and concepts. And one of the great things about the life of Theodore Roosevelt is that in his earliest years, he was actually bound to his home a lot because of his poor health. He was actually very frail, very sickly. And so the way that he spent a lot of his time was by looking at books. And when he learned to read, he began to read and read and read and devour as much information as he possibly could. And that early education opened him up to a world that helped him even later in life as a president to understand the world that he was getting ready to step into. So never never underestimate the power of early education. The things that you're learning now are going to always help you in the future. Number two, the second lesson that I pulled from Theodore Roosevelt was this, never underestimate the power or the influence of the family or community values that you've learned. Theodore Roosevelt was a person that, even though he was controversial in many ways, no one would ever argue that he wasn't self-disciplined or hardworking or tenacious or that he had moral conviction. And every one of those traits was something that he learned from his family and his community. His father was very much that kind of person too. And great leaders often have great, they've been mentored by someone. And so think about the fact that How can you be surrounding yourself with great mentors, but then also how can you be a mentor to someone else? Because great leaders are always thinking about how to influence values. Number three, never underestimate the benefits of vigorous self-improvement. This is the part of of Theodore Roosevelt's story that was so amazing to me because when he was a teen, uh, young boy, his doctor told him that he should only focus on his mind because his body would never be strong enough for him to live very long because he had a weak heart. And his father refused to accept that verdict. And so he 
turn one floor of their home into basically a fitness center. You wouldn't have called it that back in the, at the turn of the century. Theodore Roosevelt committed himself to vigorous self-improvement, to strong commitments to exercise and running and building muscles and learning to box. And so this vigorous self-improvement actually helped him become very, very healthy to the point where he was no longer dependent on rest or medicine. He actually became very healthy in the process. And so even though I know some things are beyond our controls, sometimes we have an amazing amount of control if we're willing to focus on ways that we can self-improve. And number four is this, never underestimate the value of providence. There are so many stories in all of our lives, and Theodore Roosevelt is no exception, where some things just happen that are beyond our control, and we just can't say that it's our own effort. It had to either be an act of God, or we're just really lucky. And I have to say, as a person of faith, that often I just have to remind myself that when you are focused on doing the right thing, that sometimes you're assistance is not just coming from your own hard work. It's coming because you're heading in the right direction. And so often the blessings that follow that are simply providential. And Theodore Roosevelt uh, had so many near-death experiences where he should have found his end, and yet he still kept moving on. And so I, I believe it's important for us to remember the value of providence. And then the last four lessons are these. Death is sometimes the beginning And I don't want to be a downer here, but this was an important part of Theodore Roosevelt's life. His father died when he was very young. And in the same week, his mother and his wife died. And that grief drove him west into a time of seclusion and and introspection. And then when he returned back to the East was when he really began his political career. And so that the, the most pressing time of his life actually became a time when he saw the most growth. Sometimes you go through painful situations as a school leader or as a person, but sometimes those painful times can be great times of learning. And just like with the story of Seabiscuit, the next lesson is this. Publicity is a powerful Uh, tool. And Theodore Roosevelt learned early on in his life that if he could get the media to be his friend when he was promoting ideas or running for office or trying to change things, uh, it always happened more when he had the media as his friend. The next lesson is this, focusing on enemies instead of friends could be disastrous. And one of the dangers that I saw in reading about Roosevelt's life was this, he had some great ideas, but his biggest flaw was he would get so obsessed with the people that were his opposition that he would lose focus. And sometimes it would backfire and he was no longer able to accomplish a goal because he had made too many enemies in the process. And so even though he accomplished a lot of great things as a, as a leader, he sometimes found himself unable to accomplish things because his focus was no longer on what can I accomplish, but on who am I angry at? And so where are we weak? There's sometimes we have blind spots that we're not aware of if others were able to write a book about our lives, but make sure that you're focusing on the right things and not the things, not the negative things. And then the last lesson from Roosevelt is this courage is inspiring. One of the reasons that I love reading about Teddy Roosevelt was because he was not afraid to take on the bosses in his own party. He was not afraid to uh, chase down and arrest thieves in the Wild West. He was not afraid of leading a cavalry up uh, a charge that could have been deadly, but was victorious. He was not afraid of a good fight. And sometimes we have to be willing to exercise courage for those around us because sometimes the, the decisions that we have to make require a lot of bravery and a lot of courage. And if we're not willing to lead with courage, then no one's going to be willing to follow. What are some ways that you can take lessons from leaders, because I think all of us can constantly be growing in the way that we're leading. And then finally, for the last part of our conversation, I wanted to just remind you 
as you guys are getting ready for Thanksgiving break, let me just encourage you to think about how you can use your break time as a way to be encouraged as a school leader. Make sure that you take time to rest. Because I found over the years that in school leadership, we often, we, we give and we give and we give, but unless we're filling ourselves back up, we can't continue to serve. It's like when you're on an airplane and they say, if, if you lose, if we lose altitude and the air mass comes down, put yours on first before you're putting on someone else's. Think about this. Take time to just be, be away from work because when you take time to take a break, it reminds you of who you really are as a person. It also allows you to mentally and emotionally detox because you're not just take, doing the same thing every single day with your brain and your activities. It also stimulates creativity because when you rest, you start thinking more creatively about solutions. It also gives you memories to rest on when you are going through hard times later. And it makes you more productive in the work that you do. You better serve others when you are better taking care of yourselves. And so that's it for our conversation this week. I want to respect our time and we're coming up to the 30 minute mark, but how can you recharge your batteries this coming holiday? And how can we stay connected? So this week, as you're thinking about your school leadership to wrap up this conversation, I just want to remind you that we can learn lessons from those around us. We can learn lessons from those that we view through history. We can learn lessons from the times that we take to reflect and to rest. And I want to encourage you in your school leadership to, to stay motivated, to stay courageous, to keep taking right actions, and to keep surrounding yourself with those on your team because you need each other to lead schools well. Principal Matters listeners, if you took time to listen to the end of this episode, I just want to thank you for the great work that you're doing with students. I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And I just want to ask you these questions in closing. What is something that you have been learning recently that you can reflect on in helping take the next step forward in a way that you want to lead others? So often when we take time to reflect on the lessons that we're learning around us on a daily basis or from those with whom we connect or from those we read about even in history, it gives us more ideas of creative solutions in the ways that we serve others. So thanks for taking time to reflect. Thanks for taking time to listen. Thanks for taking time to share this podcast out if you find it valuable. And thanks again for doing work that matters. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving and I'll talk to you soon.